0: You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. This is Horsin' Around with Broncos Insider, Andrew Mason. Oh my gosh. Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it. Players, coaches, insiders. Let's go! And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy Duddies. Now Swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760s, Andrew Mason.
1: Horsing Around Preseason Week 3 Edition, I'm Andrew Mason, joined, not as always, but as often, by Andy Lindahl of Orange and Blue 760, and let's just get right to it. This is a pretty good day in Broncos history, maybe even a great day. The word coming down from the Pro Football Hall of Fame that owner Pat Bolin, is a finalist from the Contributors Committee for the 2019 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. And while that's not a guarantee of induction, when the selection committee meets the day before Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, it's pretty close to it. There is a high likelihood that at this time next year, Pat Bolin will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
2: Been a long time coming, and to your point, I don't remember the last time the selection committee's finalist was turned away, or the contributors committee's finalist was turned away. Paul
1: Tagliabue.
2: Really? Well, Pat Concussion Bolin.
1: issues and all that. Pat Bolin does not have those kinds of issues on his candidacy at all.
2: Well, and a lot of people, you and I feel like the momentum has been building for a long time, and so... Um, I, I think now it's just a matter of getting to the day before Super Bowl Sunday, the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday when they'll mm-hmm. announce the class. And uh, I would fully expect Pat Bowen's name will officially be on that class list. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, it's a great thing. And I know you were very frustrated last week with – the Chiefs, was it safety or linebacker that got in? Johnny Robinson, over, safety. Over Ryan, Randy Gratishar, which is frustrating. But you and I both know there's politics involved in this mm-hmm. thing, and it, it, it's unlikely we'll have two Broncos go in at the same time. Maybe hurts our friend Steve Outwater's case, at least for this year. You
1: think might hurt Champ Bailey?
2: Well, I hope not. Man, come on.
1: I want to see Pat Bowen and Champ Bailey go in together, in yeah. part because Champ Bailey was probably Pat Bowen's last favorite player before he had to step away because of Alzheimer's disease. And it would mean a lot, I think, to Pat Bowen's family and people who were around the Broncos during Pat Bowen's ownership if he could go in with one of his most beloved players. And Pat Bowen being a guy who always said it was about the team and about the players, I think it would add even more magnitude to his Hall of Fame selection. If he could go in with at least one player like a Champ Bailey or Steve Atwater, it would mean the world to him.
2: Yeah, and look, I'd like to see all three. Yes. And frankly, I agree with your article. And don't forget
1: John Lynch, too.
2: I, and I agree with your article that, you know, it's time. You wrote last week that it's time to stop with all this limiting of classes and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. It's time to catch up. But you know what? We're here today to celebrate Pat Bowman yeah, because he deserves it it's It's been a long time coming, and I can just tell you, as a, as a lifetime Colorado resident, what he's meant to the city. Um, you know, I, it may be, I don't know if I should be embarrassed by this or not, but you know, when you're a young man, funny things motivate you. I will never forget the first chance I had to vote after I turned 18 was in the election that we had as to whether to pass the stadium or not. And I made sure that I got out there and voted. Now, that's a little sad that a presidential election wouldn't motivate me the same way as this did, but, you know, Broncos meant a lot, and I think you know, it just it's the identity of the town. And Pat has been just such a big part of bringing... I mean, with the Broncos winning championships, and we can go through all the stuff that, that his... what he's done for the team as far as in NFL circles... But let's just take from a city of you know a a commerce what is it chamber of commerce perspective yes. is what I'm looking for here. The Broncos winning championships has it, it got the attention of Major League Baseball, um, and, and in this case, it was AFC championships. But the Broncos and what they've done has allowed this town to become something so much more than it would have been had they not be been here. You know because all four major sports franchises. Uh, all four major sports leagues. They're now here because of the Broncos. And
1: this is the smallest market with all four major pro sports franchises plus a major league soccer team as well.
2: Well, and it brought the community together. Look, Denver was a very, very special place. Now, was it started by Pat Bowen uh, in the early 70s? No, it wasn't, but he certainly cultivated it. And he created this—you know th- this winning atmosphere, brought great football here. Not good, great, consistent football here. And you just can't undervalue not only what he's done for the league, but Denver is a city.
1: It's interesting. You talk about Denver as a city. I came to Denver for the first time in 2002, so I saw the finished product. But you think back on the fervency of Broncos' support. It took root before Pat Bowen got here, no doubt. But you mentioned the championships and – You talk about Major League Baseball expanding and looking at this market and looking at the possibilities, and certainly you can't undersell the fact that you would look at a full stadium, 76,000 people going wild, a long waiting list for season tickets even back in the 1980s, and see the passion that existed for the Broncos throughout the entire Rocky Mountain region and say, You know what? We want a piece of that.
2: Well, Andrew, to your point, people have to remember, you probably know from being in the East, they weren't sure there were enough people here to fill a baseball stadium. You're right. Even enough fans? It sounds ludicrous to those of us that have lived here, Mm -hmm. but the East didn't know anything. All they could go off of was a full Broncos stadium in the middle of a blizzard, Mm -hmm. right? Monday night,
1: 1984, Pat Bowen's first year of ownership. And also a 13 and 3 season that saw the most regular season wins to that point in Broncos history and really that was an indication of what was to come for this organization.
2: You know it's funny and I don't know who you have like this in your life but I'm sure you can think of someone but I mean even from afar. You know I again I used to read about the Broncos daily in the paper all through high school. You know it was one of my favorite things to do. It really freshman year is where I kind of became where I got to grab the paper and I'd steal the sports section before my dad or anybody else Mm -hmm. could get it. Uh, I I just looked for any Bronco article that I could find in the post or the Rocky Mountain News, and I read everything I could get my hands on and continue to college. You know, my lunchtime tradition was to grab some lunch and read the sports section. And it wasn't something I was doing in baseball season. It wasn't something I was doing, you know, any other time but football season. I don't care what kind of – I literally looked for anything – that was just Bronco related at all. And I would read a lot about, you know, Pat Bowen and his philosophies. And it, uh, one thing that always stuck with me and kind of influenced me in my own life, and I'll never forget when they transitioned out of Wade Phillips and into Mike Shanahan. And I can remember Pat Bowen just saying, you know what, this isn't good enough. Wade had only been here two years everybody thought it might be a little bit quick to pull the hook there 500 st-
1: record over two years usually 500 usually gets you a third
2: year right it, it, there was nothing disastrous but Pat Boen I just remember he just said you know he was quote you'd read in the paper it just isn't good enough I want to get John a championship we've got to get a championship here for a great player and it just is something about if it's not good enough accept it and move on do better change the situation. And I always think back to how he felt with the quick, you know, for some it was a quick hook for Wade Phillips, but it was the right decision. He goes and gets Mike Shanahan, and look at what happens. John Elway, who I never thought, and I don't know if you were here yet, I will never forget when they got Shanahan and they went 8-8 eight eight in his first year, I'm thinking, man, they waited too long for this. I don't think it's going to be able to happen. And then magically they put this great team around John, and, and we all know how it ended
1: you're telling these stories and i'm thinking about how i was outside of tampa pulling for the buccaneers who had notoriously cheap ownership (laughs) and i remember in the late 80s early 90s you remember how the broncos they once tried to get i think bruce smith this was in the Like, the late 80s. This was not in the current free agent protocol. And there would have been a draft pick sacrifice involved and certainly a big contract. And the Broncos tried to get Bruce Smith. I believe it was in the winter of 1989.
2: Bruce Smith. Tim Brown. Yes.
1: They were always in on these guys. And some of them they got. They got, for example, Gary Zimmerman. And I would be looking longingly from afar at a franchise like Denver, whose owner was willing to do anything to get the best talent there to win. And I had in Tampa the cheap Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a history of underpaying players. If you're not familiar with Doug Williams, of course I know Broncos fans are for the wrong reasons, but he was a very good quarterback for the Bucks for five seasons. And the Bucks gave him a contract offer that was lower than some backups. And Doug Williams went to the USFL, and eventually that wound his path to Washington, and Broncos fans would rather forget about what happened next. But that was a sort of franchise that I was pulling for, that was in my backyard, one that always took the cheapest way out. And I would look at Denver and I would be envious, jealous! Why can't my team be like that? Why did I get this team rather than being in Denver, Colorado and getting to pull for a franchise that always went for it?
2: Oh, I'm telling you.
1: You know when you see another franchise, the way they operate, you then know and understand just how special it was in this market. I mean, you're not talking about New York. You're not talking about the San Francisco Bay Area. You're talking about flyover country. And yet the Broncos conducted themselves like they were a big market franchise with a national fan base. And then because of that, what happened, they had the success, they couldn't change the market, but they grew a national fan base because of people who looked at what they were doing, admired what they were doing, and latched onto it over the decades
2: and you know what else i always will will remember and, and the other thing that, that that always stays with me about pat Boland, i can remember, so i've covered the team for i don't know 16 17 years now right started at koa back in 99 wasn't really my primary responsibility to come out to at, you know ucl training center then dove valley on a daily basis about a year or two later is when that started so call it 15 to 16 whatever whatever you want to look at it as right mhm And I'll never forget, any time Pat Bowen was around, and and as you know, and the players are talking about every time we talk to players about him, they always, always remember him being in the workout room, running on the treadmill. There's certain guys with the kind of power, the kind of stature that a Pat Bowen has, and you just kind of get uncomfortable, you know, or you feel a little uptight around him maybe would be the proper word. Is there, I mean, there's a guy, I've never, I I just always am struck by how comfortable I always was around Pat Bowen. You know, a nice guy would say hello to you. You know, I'm just some young guy covering his team. Hmm. How you doing? You know, how's it going today? Always had a word, not just walking by, not acknowledging anybody. I remember one time they were doing something they were talking about. I can't even remember what it was. It was something to do with the stadium and seats or tickets or something. And then we happened to be, we transitioned into something about a player i just made a little joke is the point and you as i tend to do right
0: That's just a, pure a small joke
2: yeah and pat laughed belly laughed out loud at it you know what i mean just and i thought well there's a guy and later i kept thinking maybe i shouldn't have made the joke i'm lucky he found it funny but i mean not an uptight guy i just feel like i hear these stories about the players and you know what they're talking about just a friendly man who just wanted everybody at his party wanted wanted to be the center of attention wanted his team talked about you know and but he didn't want to be the person he didn't want to be the guy getting the about. recognition right
1: pat bowen was not doing what jerry jones does right which is having his own show on a weekly basis sometimes holding court in the locker room with media after the game that was never pat bowen's mo it was about the team it was about his players giving them what
2: they needed to do to succeed you know how, you know how else I know he's a good man and, and they've done a good job the Bolans have just been so important to so many people I used to go on shows when I didn't have the afternoon or now morning time slot with shows in Edmonton mm-hmm. and you know what they still have a devout love for the Broncos up in Edmonton because of the city's loyalty to the Boland family and what he was and they're, and they're proud of him and they're proud to call him their own um I mean he' just seems to he seems to inspire loyalty wherever he goes, and I'm just disappointed it took this long to get in. I'm going to let that disappointment go. Uh, It is a great, great day, and the man deserves a lot of recognition. They better get ready for the highlight reel for him during the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony because that's a long list of things. Like we always like to say, Rich Eisen, I remember, came on last year when we started this station and said, look, there's no Sunday night football without Pat Bowen. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that we enjoy in modern television in so many of these primetime games, you can thank Pat Bowen for that, for how we spend our fall evenings enjoying the sport.
1: The highlight reel will probably include him saying first, this one's for John, and then a year later, this one's for you, as in the fans. It wasn't about him. It was always about somebody else, some other group. It was him putting everyone else on a pedestal and letting them have the moment and being proud of of what he had built. I sometimes wonder though, you talk about the TV contract and things like that. I sometimes wonder if some of the league's current issues wouldn't be so problematic if he was able to take part in the discussion and the path towards solutions.
2: Yeah. Look, it's a tough subject for me, but I guess I'll just be honest about it right now. Um, the league needs men like Pat Bowen still running it. Yes. You know, and as much as, you know, I I understand the desire to pass something on to your children, which is great. Um, But I'll tell you what, you had some great visionaries running this league. And I think it's tough to replace those. Even if your kids are in the spot, I think it's tough to replace those. You know, that's why I think if you're a Bronco fan, you ought to be very happy. There is a Joe Ellis to help steward the whole thing. Um, You know, who
1: understands what Pat, Would have wanted to do,
2: yeah. Well, and understands the league as well. Because to your point, Andrew, I can't help but think when we had the lockout in 2011, I was thinking to myself, man, if Pat Bowen was in the middle of this, would we be having a lockout? Because I think Pat, Pat, as I understand it from the stories I've been told, you know, not only did he have a, he did a great job of protecting his interests for sure, Mm -hmm. right. But I think he also understands that it's got to be a fair deal for everybody. I mean, everyone's kind of, the players will tell you, Pat understood that if you're happy and you love your working environment, good things are going to come from it. I'm going to give you what you need so that ultimately I get to succeed and enjoy the success along with you. But I've got to keep you happy. And I can't help but wonder, Andrew, had there been more of that thought process instead of both sides trying to win for so long, would we have not gotten to an agreement earlier? And, and maybe it would have been something that both sides would have been happier with that could have been renewed. I'm going to tell you this. You're going to need some of the leaders that you've lost. I'll be just curious to see how these next negotiations go, you know? Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think the players need a Pat Bowen-type figure on their side. I really do. I think if you had Pat Boland type people on both sides, these things may not get to the points that they do. These were people that bridge gaps. I remember
1: reading an interview when I was researching the book I wrote on Broncos history. I read an interview, I think it was from the Montreal Gazette, and it was in 1984, about the time that he bought the Broncos. And he talked about how it was key to view players as individuals, as human beings. And he thought that sometimes in ownership, some owners would view players As property, like, okay, you work for me and that's it, you're going to do what I say. He understood that all these guys were human beings with different needs, different things that motivated them. And he found ways to kind of bridge the gap that sometimes naturally exists between ownership and players. And he crossed that divide. And that was one of his gifts. And it's one of the reasons why players speaks so highly of him especially those that played with other teams you talk to steve atwater and ray crockett on our station and they'll tell you that hey they were in other cities and it was not this way brian habib we had him on uh back in july and he had come from minnesota he was part of that 1993 free agent class first year of free agency in the nfl and he played in minnesota before he played in seattle after and he said hey those organizations were different. Like he said, now Seattle has obviously improved and has gotten to where they're one of those Cadillac franchises with quality ownership. But he said at that time, you know, Paul Allen had just bought the team. He was still kind of feeling his way out, and it was nothing like he experienced in Denver. Those guys that experienced other teams, I think, offer the most powerful testimony for what Pat Bolin did in terms of running the team and how he he could bridge that gap between management and players just simply by being human, quite frankly.
2: I'll never forget one of the things that always made me appreciate Pat Bowen, and by this time I was in the media, but this goes back to your point about how you've got ownership that you just feel disconnected to in Tampa and in other places. Cincinnati is another famous destination for this. You know, oftentimes I think you feel like sometimes you don't feel like they care as much as I do. And I think that hurts as a fan. Why do I care more than you do? You never felt that way with Pat Bowen. I'll never forget when Pat Bowen had his press conference to announce that he was going to change coaches and he wasn't going to have Mike Shanahan as coach anymore. Mm -hmm. And you could tell it was hurting him, but he let it be known, you know what, the losing is hurting me more. I don't enjoy doing this, and this is a friend of mine and Mike Shanahan.
1: But you'd gone 500 over the previous three years.
2: This is, But this isn't good enough for me. Mm. And the fans the fans deserve better. I promised you better, and I'm going to figure that out. And I'll never forget the pain. I mean, all you need to know, again, about Pat Bowen is, no matter what players have left, and Mike Shanahan himself almost choked up, gave Pat a hug and had to get out of there. Uh, the players that have left this franchise, maybe had a beef with whatever coach caused them to leave, never had a beef with Pat Bowen. Never had a negative thing to say about Pat Bowen. Again, maybe some guys were upset with Mike or mm-hmm. John Fox or Dan Reeves, mm-hmm. but it was never anything with Bowen.
1: And that sort of standard lingers today because you're coming off a 5-11 and season and the moves made in the offseason are about, okay, how do we fix this? And how do we fix this as quickly as possible? the Broncos have never had consecutive losing seasons on Pat Bowen's watch. And it goes back further than that. You can go all the way back to 71-72 um, for the last losing seasons. But most of that has happened since Pat Bowen was the owner of record. And you feel a great sense of urgency around this building, this complex, this summer. And the sense that another losing season will not be tolerated here. And a lot of that is the lingering legacy of Pat Bowen, even though he can't be here on a daily basis. That standard remains for the organization.
2: Oh, I tell the story all the time, to your point. Even though Pat Bowen wasn't at the press conference to announce the removal of Josh McDaniels as head coach, I will never forget the question posed to Joe Ellis that day where whoever, I don't even remember who asked it, but someone said, aren't you upset that you're now paying Mike Shanahan and Josh McDaniels and you'll be paying another coach? And Joe Ellis looked at him and he goes, it doesn't matter if we have to pay five coaches. The fans deserve a winner. That's what we have promised. That's what we're going to deliver. And I mean, the, the matter-of-fact passion in his voice from Joe Ellis that day where he just basically said, don't, I don't care. I don't care who's on the past payroll. It's not good enough, so we're switching it. We're getting, we're changing directions. You know, almost like scolding. Don't question me about what I have to spend to win. I don't care. It's not your money. I mean, again, how many franchises would do that? How many franchises? You've covered this league a long time. How many franchises out there would honestly pay that many? You know that I would say a third of the league, and you tell me if that's too high, would probably live with a coach just to get the payroll cleared before they did something about it.
1: It might be a third of the league. I can go back to 2010 with Carolina, the last year before the lockout. And Jerry Richardson, who's no longer the owner of the Panthers, of course, and had the scandal that blew up uh, over the last year or so, He and John Fox got into a staring match on the schoolyard. Richardson didn't really want John Fox around. Fox wanted his contract, though. Right. And Richardson was not going to pay Fox not to coach. So what resulted was an extraordinarily dysfunctional and uncomfortable 2-14 season in 2010 with neither side willing to budge when it was clear that Richardson wanted to go in a different direction but didn't want to pay somebody not to coach. I know that I've heard that said of some teams. I've heard the Bears, for example, sometimes uh, stories of them staying with a coach a year too long because they wanted to kind of mitigate what they would have to pay to a coach if they fired him. That wouldn't happen with Denver. That didn't happen with Denver. And I think there's, it's a good sense of responsibility that a team like the Broncos has that says, okay, yeah, we got this wrong. It's on us. You as the fan should not suffer with substandard football because we've got to pay a couple of coaches not to coach. That's on us. That's not on you. We want to give you the best product. And the result of that turned out to be bringing back John Elway, hiring John Fox, and the turnaround was pretty quick and pretty thorough.
2: Well, getting one Mr. Peyton Manning because of how well right. the league knows. But they were going in the right here,
1: direction before.
2: No, you're right, but let's be honest about it. Peyton Manning, I'm sure, knew, and he, he talked about it in his introductory press mm-hmm. conference. He knew, if I come here, they're going to do everything I need to win. There'll be no asking questions. There'll be no worried about, look, even Peyton Manning got asked to give to the greater cause. You know, John Elway with his contracts used to give to the greater cause. And then he now, I don't know, Manning loved giving to the greater cause. And he got but, it back
1: in the end. Yeah, he ultimately got his money
2: back. But nonetheless, I would put it out there for anybody that wants to know why anybody was asked to take a pay cut. The famous line to me always delivered is, even the Hall of Famer had to take a pay cut once upon a time so everybody's fair game. So anyway, I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to leave that on the table for some of the gripings over the last week. How could you ask anybody, mm-hmm. including potential trade partners to take a pay cut? Well, even 18 had to take a pay cut. So, it's the nature of a salary cap league. If you want to be part of a great team, sometimes the money has to be spread around. So, and that's what they'll spend the money And they'll spend all the money they're allotted. But But sometimes you've got to play the game with them so that they can spend a little more money so everybody can succeed.
1: And spend it smartly. And most of the investments have been smart. Obviously, not every player works out. We were talking about Menelik Watson this week. And one of the reasons why releasing Menelik Watson is a big deal is this franchise has not had a lot of dead money. No, not since John got here. No. They've They've spent well, but... For the most part, the spending has been wise and has worked out. But at the same time, that sort of decision, hey, you've got to move on. That's what good organizations do. We accept that we made a mistake. This roster spot is more valuable going to somebody else. Yeah, we have to eat this cost, but we're not going to let this prevent us from trying to put the best product on the field that we can and in the case of this year putting a product that gets the Broncos back to at least 500 and not beyond and carries forward their long tradition of being at least competitive and often competitive for championships I mean you look over Pat Bowen's ownership he only missed a Super Bowl appearance in one decade that he was owner and that was the classic bad day to have a bad day but they were still competitive through most of the 2000s. They go to the playoffs in 2000, 03, 04, 05. They have winning seasons in in 02 and 06 when they missed the postseason. While you can't always win a title, you can always be competitive and giving your fans reason to believe that you're close and can get there. And that's one thing this team has done it is perennially been close, been in the mix and if you're in the mix constantly, you then can make that extra move mover to, to push you over the top. I remember Bill Walsh talking about how if your floor is higher, your ceiling is higher because you're starting from a higher level. The Broncos, one thing they've proven over Pat Bowen's ownership is that because of how the team is run, what the standard is, their floor is higher. A 4-12 season here is like an 0-16 season in Cleveland, for example.
2: Oh, I know. (laughs) It ain't getting any worse than that. (laughs) I'll just say this. This is the last thought I'm going to leave you with here. Because of what you just laid out, and this is really a subject for the next podcast.
1: Ooh, good, because we need a topic for next week.
2: I think cut-down day could be real interesting. And I think those that are looking at dollar signs to prevent certain cuts from happening Then I don't think you understand what the Broncos are about. If they have to admit to some things this year to have a better football team in the future, I know John Elway, Gary Kubiak, Joe Ellis, Vance Joseph, whoever it is, they're going to do what they got to do. So I think we could have a very interesting day a week from, you know, what, a week from today. Whenever it is that they decide to drop the cuts.
1: And if you've been watching preseason games and if you've been out here for training camp or following our reports, there's one thing you know. They are not reluctant to go young this year, especially with this rookie class. They'll put a lot of the success or failure of this season in their hands. Partially because, frankly, they're good enough.
2: Well, they're good enough, and uh, but it could mean some interesting things for guys drafted in the last two years as well. So, And everybody talks about not like you don't want to admit mistakes. You know, I just think that uh, if you're about loving football, there's a place for you here in Denver.
1: For Andy Lindall, I'm Andrew Mason. Great day for the Broncos. Great day for Pat Bowen a Contributors Committee nominee for the 2019 Hall of Fame class. Hopefully that means a Hall of Fame enshrinee next summer. We'll talk to you next time.
0: This has been another edition of Horsin' Around. With Broncos insider Andrew Mason, check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at ten with Steve Adwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horse and Around.